Hello and welcome to uh, the John Arden Show. I am your host, John Arden. And um, it's a new episode. We got uh, some stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff going on in the sports world. Mainly the basketball world. Um, The Lakers did win. The NBA championship. They are the champions now in the Lakers. Uh, this is their 17th title in franchise history. Um, LeBron James wins his fourth NBA title with this third team. He was named the finals MVP. Um, I was kind of nervous at first. I... I don't know, I just thought maybe that they would end up losing in the playoffs and then they wouldn't win, but but they pulled through. The Lakers pulled through and they won against the Miami Heat in six games. So I'm very happy about that. It's a good win for the Lakers, a good win. They tied the Celtics with championships now. Um, but LeBron is not the GOAT. I'm sorry. When you have six losses, that's a problem. And Michael Jordan has zero losses. How can you... How can you say four and six is better than six and no? Doesn't make any sense to me, but people want to make that debate all the time. That LeBron is better than Jordan and... And it just goes back and forth all the time, but Michael Jordan is the GOAT. I mean, let's just, they're just not playing. It's the GOAT. So, we also will talk about Ty Lue being hired as the Clippers' new coach. Uh, I think that's a very interesting hire. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But I do want to get into what the media is saying about LeBron winning the championships. We're going to hear a little bit of reaction from the media, and then I'll talk about what they're saying. So, uh, here we go. From First Take, Stephen A., I've been waiting all week to ask you this question, as I have not had a chance to see you. In your mind, what does LeBron's fourth championship the other night mean to his historical legacy in the game of basketball? Well, I mean, it definitely augments it to some degree, but as far as I was concerned, he was on my Mount Rushmore before he won this championship. He's one of the top four players all time. I think he's one of the top three players of all time. We in, Inevitably, we must keep Bill Russell on there because he's an 11-time champion. But when you look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the illustrious career that he's had, he definitely has to be top three. And then I look at LeBron James, the, or the, the multifaceted talent that he is and what he brings to the table. I have him number two all time behind Michael Jordan. I've had him that way for a while. It existed before he won this championship. He has it now, but I got news for you, Greedy. Uh, news flash, because you may not know this. I don't know if you know this, but do you realize that in the LeBron James camp, you have insulted him? 
uh, you have excoriated him, that somehow, some way, you're not showing him the deference and appreciation that he deserves because if he is not number one overall all time, then it is an insult to his name, his reputation, his family name, and everything in between. I mean, God forbid that we have him on the Mount Rushmore of all of basketball. Top three all time, top four all time, in my estimation, top two all time. He still said it best. Damn it, I want my respect, which says to me that he will not be satisfied unless he is universally recognized as number one all-time the GOAT. But I am here to tell you right now that I'm sorry I got bad news for LeBron James. Consider yourself disrespected because you will never be my number one. He will be number two but not my number one. It will mm. never be universal because as long as I'm living and breathing, I've got breath in my body and I got a voice and I got vocal cords, you will hear me say LeBron James is no Michael Jordan, period. Wow. So there's nothing he can do. That was going to be my, my next question. There's nothing. nothing you could see him doing. Nothing. Even if he gets to six. Nothing. How come? You know why? Do you know why? Tell I tell you what, I apologize. There's one thing he can do. Erase the six NBA Finals losses. That simple. So, so it's about losing in it. Marcus, I'm looking. Swagoo, I have a feeling, is ready to jump. Go ahead, Swagoo. What do you think? Hey, hey, G, this is a perfect example when you fighting to breathe. That's all this is. I mean, when you, when you get statements like I'd never, that's the type of statements happen in divorces and when people are having bad breakups and when things are going awry and some of your strong stance and statement is starting to have holes in it. I've been screaming LeBron is the greatest of all time long before this fourth championship. And it's really not based on all of the, um, he was a killer and he did all of this. LeBron James has won four championships now. He's been the catalyst of those championships. And those teams fall off a cliff when he leaves. There is no player that has affected or influenced the team that he's been on more than LeBron James has during his tenure in the NBA. And let's, let's, let's also have another conversation about longevity. Does that not matter? Does being in the finals this much not matter? Does in year 17 no. leading a team that couldn't make the playoffs before you got there not matter? Does not standing up in Cleveland going back in the face of everything they disemboweled about you and winning the championship not matter? Like LeBron James has done more than anybody else in this league, in the history of this league, well, when it comes to compounding pressure, having success, and mm -hmm. looking people in the face that said he couldn't do it and getting it done. That's, ahead, that's literally well, what first, he's done his entire career. There you go. Um, Stephen A. Smith making some strong remarks there. He's saying that LeBron is not number one, but it's Michael Jordan. And I agree, Michael Jordan is number one to me, too. So I do agree with that. Um, but what this other guy is saying, yeah, that's all true, but you lost six times in the finals, man. That's a problem. When it matters the most, that's where you lose the most. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. You went to the finals ten times, but you only won four. 
So why you wanna um, you wanna participation trophy for going to the finals ten times? Is that what we're doing now? We're giving participation trophies now. I'm sorry, but if you go to the finals, you have to win. And that's what Michael Jordan did. He won. He won all the time. That's why he's six and zero. Oh. He didn't lose. He didn't lose. And that's important. Whether people want to admit it or not, it's important. So we're going to listen to um, Jalen Rose and his TV partner, Jacoby. Uh, they were breaking down criteria for the GOAT. So let's give it a listen and let's see what they say. Maybe I agree with them, maybe I don't. We'll see. That could measure the GOAT. And here are the five criteria that you picked. Scoring titles, NBA titles, MVPs, finals MVPs, and defensive player of the year. Why did you pick these five categories? They establish dominance and they're not emotional. We're not upgrading or downgrading teammates. We're not talking about the number of teams or coaches somebody played for. We're talking about who's the greatest basketball player of all time. And in order to get to that, you have to hit those five marks. If you're winning championship, if you're winning finals MVP, if you're winning scoring tight, if you're winning defensive player of the year, if you're winning those awards, now all of a sudden you go into a different echelon of all-time greatness. And this criteria was not available clearly earlier when the NBA was established, but that is a great metric for everybody out there when you want to have the conversation about who's the GOAT. Take those five categories and slot the players in, not the other way around. And that is exactly what we are going to do here today. Now, one thing that's interesting about these five categories is no human being has ever achieved all five in a single season. However, there are four people that have achieved four of the five GOAT criteria in a single season. Michael Jordan has done it four times. We have Shaq, Hakeem, and Kareem. Jalen. Since they've been keeping stats, these are the greatest individual seasons of all time. Those... Terrific performers, and look, was a big man's game. Three of those four are centers. Notice mm. that, and they did it each one time. Michael Jordan, a six-six guard, did it four times. That's important to point out, and. As you said, this is just a single season where one human being has achieved four of the five GOAT criteria. Now, we're going to do an exercise here. Again, that was a single season. What if we opened it up to people that have achieved four of the five GOAT criteria over their entire careers? You would think a floodgate of great players would come in, but it's only five more people. Kobe, Wilt, Durant, James, and Robinson. Your thoughts? This is where you start talking about some of the most explosive players that ever played in the NBA. And think about it. Of this criteria now, only nine basketball players to ever wear the Jerry West logo on their chest have been able to achieve four of these five categories at some point in their career. At some point 
in their career. That is outstanding for the players involved. It's also important to point out that players like Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell didn't have the opportunity to win some of these awards. But, Jalen, there's one human being standing on this planet over the course of history that has actually achieved all five of the GOAT criteria over the course of their career. And it's not going to be a surprise exactly who that is. That is Michael Jeffrey Jordan. But it's not just the fact that he did it, it's the quantity of times that he's done it. Take a look at this, Jalen, your thoughts. <laughs> Sometimes I dream that he is me. Not only did he achieve all five at some point of his career, Jacoby, it ain't like Defensive Player of the Year where he just did it once. Mm. He was the scoring champion 10 times. In six of those years, his team won the championship. The scoring champion who also won the championship that year. Michael Jordan was the finals MVP one, two, three, four, five, six times his team won the championship. That means each time he was the dominant force. Oh, also he won five MVPs. And so when you start talking about the GOAT, Michael Jordan has been able to achieve things in the statistical era that are just unmatched, and the volume and the quantity is outstanding. Absolutely, and we both know that there's no perfect way to decide this, and that's why it gets debated so heated in barbershops and conversations over time. And one thing that's important to identify during this particular conversation is not every player had the opportunity to win Finals MVP or Defensive Player of the Year because those awards were established later. So one person that we definitely want to highlight, along with Wilt Chamberlain, is a gentleman by the name of Bill Russell. Bill Russell had 11 titles in his 13-year career, and look at those other accolades. They named the finals MVP after him. Jalen, respect Bill Russell. <laughs> and you can't have this conversation without mentioning Magic Bird, Tim Duncan, and Kobe Bryant, who are going to round out anybody's top 10 or top 12 list. But this list right here for the young people, when you start talking about all-time great achievements, that gentleman right there is the king of all kings. 11 championships in 13 years. And if they had defensive player of the year, he would have not only won it so many years, that should also be named after him along with the finals MVP of the NBA. And one thing I also want to say about Bill Russell is he averaged, like, just below 20 points a game. Like, he wasn't a true, true scorer. He just affected the game so much with defense and rebounds. And he played 13 years and won 11 titles. That cannot be downplayed. Now, Jalen, we know this is not an exact science. But we've established this criteria. We've sort of adjusted for eras. And when it comes down to it, when you compare Michael Jordan and LeBron James, given these criteria, it's not even close. Your thoughts? And that's why LeBron still has more work to do. So there you go, the criteria for the GOAT. Um, obviously, Michael Jordan checks those boxes, so it's like, yeah, he is the GOAT. I mean, why are we even playing with that? Like, come on now. He is the GOAT. Um, it's crazy. And I think Jordan played in a tougher league. Not in a tougher league, but in a tougher era, too. His his, his era was more tougher. Um, yeah, way more tougher than what it is now. So I think that also plays an effect to it. 
can ignore that. I mean, you can try, but, I mean, you really can't. And look, I know what they're saying about Jordan. He's not the GOAT. I, I've heard all the other people who say he's not the GOAT. I don't agree with that nonsense. And it's just a bunch of craziness. But I am happy the Lakers won the championship. Um, it was a much needed one. Um, before this year, the last time they won a championship was in 2010. Back when Phil Jackson was the coach. Kobe was on the team. Paul Gasol was also on the team that year. Lamar Odom, Derek Fisher. Metal World Peace. You know, all the old school guys. Luke Walton. But yeah, um, it's a good one for the Lakers. Much deserved. Very happy for them. Whether or not they win next year, I don't know. There is a lot of people, not a lot of people, but a lot of teams. They're going to be much better next year, so I don't know. And that will affect the Lakers' chance of repeating. But let's um, let's hear what the media has to say about the Lakers winning the championship. I told Judy when I came here that uh, I was going to put this franchise back in a position where it belongs. Um, her late great father did it for so many years, and she just you know took it on after that. And for me to be a part of such a historical franchise is uh, it's an unbelievable feeling. Not only for myself, but for my teammates, for the organization, for the coaches, for the trainers, everybody that's here. Um, we just want our respect. Rob wants his respect. Coach Vogel wants his respect. Our organization wants their respect. Laker Nation wants their respect. And I want my damn respect, too. Hey, Stephen A., this title run started one year ago. Is this LeBron's most challenging title? I would say yes, but it's not because of what transpired on the basketball court. Obviously, uh, it, it, it extends far beyond that. When you consider the conditions under which these guys uh, had to deal with, to have the season halted, to take a four-month hiatus, to come back when guys, even his team in the Los Angeles Clippers voted not to come back, then to be in the bubble, and then to have the shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin take place. And prior to that, obviously, Breonna Taylor was on everybody's mind. George Floyd was on everybody's mind. And then you wondered whether or not the season was going to be ongoing. And then they had those meetings, and guys were talking about how, you know what the hell with it, essentially, you know what, if the season needs to be halted, it needs to be halted. And you had all of that stuff going on uh, to continue to thrive the way that he, that he thrived. Uh, to perform the way that he performed, uh, to be as dominant as he was throughout these playoffs. He clearly put the world on notice that the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo did not deserve to be the league MVP. He deserved it. He got my vote. I was one of the 16 people that voted for him. Others voted against him. Uh, but also, he came into the playoffs and took Portland out in five. 
obviously did what he needed to do against Houston, uh, ultimately did what he did needed to do against Denver, and then obviously, of course, the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. He was absolutely sensational. Uh, he averaged, what does he average, 29, 11, and 8 in the Finals on shooting 59% from the field, 41%, 0.7% from three-point range. Uh, that's nothing short of sensational, and when you consider all the things that were going on to distract folks from actually playing basketball, but yet and still, we saw the high level of competition that we witnessed from these guys going against each other, knowing that if you lost, you get to go home, which most of them said they wanted to do anyway. Yet when they got on the court, they didn't play like it. We had some very scintillating basketball over the last three months or so. It was high-end competition. And at the end of the day, the king was crowned. And it happened to be LeBron James yet again. You got to tip your cap to him. He's, he's worthy of NBA Finals MVP. And I think that because of all the conditions and everything that came with it, um, I, I, I think a legitimate argument can be made that this was the toughest one. And you're making it. I co-sign everything you said, but I would not call this his most difficult championship. First of all, um, if the best player in the world is playing with another, which LeBron is, is playing with another top five MVP caliber player in the history of basketball, that team almost always wins the championship. That's the first thing. That's what LeBron had. And Palinka deserves a lot of credit. I was highly critical of some of the moves he made in the offseason. They worked out. They find, found diamonds in the rough. They put the right team together. Secondly, if everyone is playing under the same circumstances, then it's not harder in that sense for, for anyone. Since it's harder for everyone, right? So that balances out. I understand it's more taxing for everyone involved, but it doesn't make it more difficult to win the championship because everyone's dealing with those circumstances. Second thing, third thing, when LeBron James played the 73-win Warrior team and came back down 3-1, I don't want to hear about Draymond Green got suspended. LeBron kind of instigated that. Good for him. He was smart, stuck out his leg and goaded him, knowing that one more tech would be all it took. Coming back against the 73-win team, which was about to be crowned the greatest basketball team ever, on the road, when defensively you didn't give up a field goal, a point in the last almost five minutes of the game to the greatest half-court offense ever. When LeBron iced the game on the free-throw line, which he'd been, you know, criticized for, he didn't want to take those last-second free-throws. That was the greatest, most difficult championship of LeBron James' amazing career, because he's had several of them that could be in this category. I'll say this. They went 4-1, 4-1, 4-1 against the West. 4-2 against the Eastern Conference opponent. Remember all those seasons we were all saying, man, if LeBron was in the West, it wouldn't be this easy. And look, the Warriors obviously weren't around this year because of all the injuries and some defections. But it seemed like the Nuggets looked pretty good against the Clippers. I mean, they played some pretty good teams, some kind of scrappy teams that against a lesser team, maybe a non-LeBron James-led team, those scrappy teams where they're making those fourth quarter runs, maybe those win, they win some of those games. Maybe that changes the series. But they didn't because LeBron James wouldn't let it. It is among his greatest accomplishments this year. I would not put it at the very top, even considering his age, which gives him extra credit for this. But it's up there, but I would still say the win against the 73-win Warriors down 3-1 at Oracle is still his crowning achievement. 
Well, I think it's a matter of opinion, obviously. We have an opinionated show. We get all of that. But I think that a legitimate argument can be made on both ends. My my position is, and I've been consistent on this, I thought it was a stimulus package that was handed to LeBron James by the NBA when Draymond Green got suspended for that game five. Keep in mind that the Cleveland Cavaliers had lost game four in Cleveland and were down 3-1 as a result and heading back to the Oracle. When they headed back to the Oracle and they had to go without uh, Draymond Green, then the back spasms from Andre Iguodala kicked in that game. Andrew Bogut got hurt that game. And on top of it all, Steph Curry wasn't healthy. So we can look at it at 3-1, and it's, a, it's a, an incredible accomplishment, no doubt. But there were some mitigating circumstances that can't be ignored. Then when you combine that with what they had to go through here and how you had such disruption, such people not wanting to play, folks arguing with one another, dudes wanting to go home, worried about people violating the bubble, wondering whether or not there was going to be a positive test and all of this other stuff because of the coronavirus pandemic. Again, it's not just about what you do on the court. It's what leads to you getting on the court as well. Those obstacles, those distractions is what I think makes it a bit tougher in my estimation. So, I would have to agree with the other guy that the 73, that the championship from 2016 is LeBron's toughest one that he won. Um, In my opinion, I think it is. I mean... When the Warriors were 73-9, and nine, everybody thought, oh, they're going to win. They're the better team than the 96 Bulls that went 72-10. and 10, But um, the Warriors didn't win the championship. They were up 3-1, and the Cavaliers came back from a 3-1 deficit and won the championship. So I think that was pretty much LeBron's toughest championship to win, in my opinion. So I agree I agree with the other guy. I mean, this championship, eh, I don't know. I don't know if it was the most difficult one. But um, it definitely was a, a challenging one, but not the most challenging. So I did mention about um, Tai Lu. Uh, being the Clippers head coach. So let's hear about the Clippers hiring Ty Lue. Let's hear some media reaction from it. Year deal to make him the team's new head coach, sources told our Adrian Wojnarowski. The sides completed negotiations Thursday afternoon. The Clippers' search landed on the 43-year-old Lou based on his championship pedigree, playoff successes as a head coach in Cleveland, as well as his strong ability to communicate with players, sources told Woj. We're going to bring in Woj because why not just go straight to the guy who has all the information? Woj, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us on what has been an incredibly busy day for you. What more can you tell us about how this Clippers arrangement came together? Because, of course, Ty was the speculative choice once Doc was let go. But there were a lot of questions about whether if you let go Doc Rivers, are you really going to want to go with his lead assistant? How did this all come together? Rachel, 
you know, when they let Doc Rivers go, uh, Steve Ballmer wanted to conduct a search. He wanted to go out and talk uh, to other candidates, and they did that. They talked to, um, I think, at least a, probably close to 10 to 12 candidates uh, around the league, maybe even more, and, and we're serious about a couple. Uh, but they knew what they had in Ty Lu, and he was, everybody was chasing him in this process. He was legitimately uh, the favorite throughout, and I think as they went out and talked, I think it solidified the fact that the qualities that Ty Lue had, and you, you mentioned him as some I described in this story, he's won a championship. He has uh, shown himself to be very tactically sound as a head coach, and in the playoffs when you've got to make adjustments. He understands the glare of the spotlight that comes with a job like that. You get that in Cleveland coaching LeBron James. Uh, and the relationships and the coaching he's already done with the group they have, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, he was from the very beginning the favorite, and there was nothing in the process uh, that dissuaded the Clippers from thinking that they had the right guy right there for them. Five-year contract, I'm told, and you know they really see Ty Lue as somebody who's going to be a program builder, and they hope to have him in place for a very long time. You know, what they had decided about who his assistants would be. Do you think in the end, waiting that year, the Lakers went on and won the title without him. Now he's with the Clippers. He's got the head job and the more favorable contract you just mentioned. Do you think that in the in the end, he's going to be happy with the way he played all of this? Well, really only Ty will know that. Certainly with the Lakers, at the time, they hadn't made the trade yet for Anthony Davis. But I think there was optimism they could get it done, and you would probably assume it was a three-year deal they offered him at the time, and it was essentially the same deal Frank Vogel took with the Lakers, and <clears throat> excuse me, you'd expect that at some point here, Frank Vogel, whether it's this year, next year, you know, might get an extension off that, but it's a decision that uh, Ty Lue made in the moment, and now, listen, he gets a chance to, to stay in LA, uh, an organization that certainly has championship aspirations, but uh, a team that very much underachieved, losing in the conference semifinals, blowing that 3-1 lead uh, to Denver. And listen, there's a lot of work to be done within the Clippers uh, to compete with the Lakers. They thought they would do that this year. They couldn't even get to that conference finals. But but Ty Lue uh, now certainly with an organization, Lawrence Frank as the president, Mike Winger at GM, Steve Ballmer, they know him, they believe in him, uh, and he gets an opportunity here to um, you know, now try to compete with a Laker team that he had for a very long time dreamed of coaching. Yeah, it is fascinating, I think, all of these chess moves, watching them play out over, in this case, a two-year span with Ty Lue and seeing him finally end up with the Clippers with this kind of contract. Of course, that's not all you've been doing today, Woe, just following this story. You dropped another bomb just an hour. So, yeah, there it is. Um... Tyloo is the coach, but, um, we'll see what, what he does with the Clippers. I mean, um, yeah, it's a good team. And you have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, two All-Stars. So that's a good start. Um, he did win a championship with the Cavs as the coach, but he had LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love. Um... So maybe he'll be the coach. Maybe he'll be the coach that'll win the championship for the Clippers. I don't know. Depends if they make any improvements this off season. And there have been rumors about a Paul George trade. I don't know how 
how legit those rumors are, but if they do decide to trade Paul George, I wonder for who and who will be interested in trading for him. A lot of question marks because his playoff performance was horrible. It was not good at all. It was pretty bad. Pretty hard to watch. So, I don't know. Maybe Ty Lue wins. Maybe he doesn't win anything for those five years that he's there as the coach. Um, but let's uh, get more media reaction about this. How do you think Tyler should go about approaching the duo of PG and Kawhi? You got to get in their face. You got to get in their face and you got to demand by reminding them who the hell they're supposed to be. As opposed to focusing on who they are. Now, let me give you some background, Max Kellerman, and let's, let, let's break this stuff down. Ty Lue should have been the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers essentially wanted to pick half the staff for him, and obviously that was not a position that he respected, so he turned down that job. Frank Vogel steps in, and it turns out that Jeannie Buss, Rob Palenka made the right choice. Frank Vogel, who's a defensive-minded guy, acquiring Anthony Davis shortly after his arrival as head coach, ended up delivering the championship. Major props to them. Lakers should be congratulated, especially Jeannie Buss, first female to do what she has done. Oh, Phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, now we get to the Clippers. Doc Rivers is a great coach. I don't believe that it was right that he was let go because of the pandemic stalling the season. Um, especially when guys didn't even want to come there. But nevertheless, you were there for seven years and you never got to a conference finals. So you're going to have a lot of people that don't make that argument, and especially at the end of the day when they were reporting in Orlando that you saw guys sort of rolling their eyes and being somewhat dismissive of him because they had heard his voice so many times. They need a new voice. Ty Lue is a new voice because Ty Lue does not play. Ty Lue is the person that will tell LeBron to shut the hell up. He's the person that will get in anybody's face. He's the kind of person that will look at Kawhi Leonard and be like, yo, man, this low man. You can handle those egos. Excuse me. Excuse me. This low man. Yeah, I understand you're going to be ready for the playoffs. You're going to average 38, 39 minutes, Max. You ain't going to miss no games. The problem is, excuse the double negative, but the problem is this. You missing games during the regular season, you missing practices. So the chemistry and the cohesiveness that we need come playoff time, we don't have. How would I know it? Because I won a championship with a superstar. I kind of know these things, and he didn't do that. Paul George, you're a star, but there's levels to this. There's superstar status, that's not where you are. You could be there, but here are some of the things that you need to do, and you got to get tougher mentally and you can't check out you can't be overwhelmed by the pandemic and all the ancillary things that are going on you can't do that and when you do stuff like that it's going to matriculate right on down to the rest of the team because in the end here's what it comes down to there's a billionaire who's got a new arena where the old la forum yeah right near where the la la forum used to be right in inglewood they got huge expectations. If they were ever the, the, the fair-weathered stepchild in L.A., if they were that way before, you know how it is now when LeBron and A.D. in the house as the reigning defending champions. You have to have personal pride to a degree where you are answering the call. And Kawhi Leonard, the knock against him, Max, was not that he was a, wasn't a great player, not that he wasn't top five. We know what he could do. Kawhi Leonard is considered relatively indifferent. 
He does his job. He does nothing to galvanize the folks and bring them together. Paul George, one of the nicest dudes in the world. Maybe that just ain't his personality, but he's not accused of being indifferent. Kawhi is accused of being indifferent. Ty Lue ain't going to have that, and that's why I believe he's the right coach for the job, outside of his basketball knowledge and his resume. Well, I, in terms of how I, – I agree with what you're saying, but in terms of how he should approach that duo, look, when you're Kawhi Leonard, when you're not vocal, when you don't do the things that you mentioned, you have to lead by example, which he almost always does, but he had a Game 7 meltdown. Like, yeah. second half, fourth quarter Game 7, he went away. It's hard to lead by example. I mean, when, you're, when you have to lead by example, you better show up – answer the bell every single time paul george is the issue let's be honest that's the issue paul george was not good enough in these playoffs and by the way for all the hand-wringing about Kawhi and all that stuff if paul george would have just played like an all-star throughout the playoffs they probably would have faced the lakers and maybe given him a good series but but he's not and that's why he hasn't really been a superstar quite if we're waiting for that to happen i think it's you know we're going to be waiting forever it's just not quite who Paul George is. Paul George is an all-star plus. He's not an MVP. He's not a superstar. But when was he closest to that? And you brought it up the other day. Who'd you give credit for Paul George's best season with OKC? It's Russell Westbrook, right? He knew I have this guy has to be elevated. And that's the real issue with the Clippers right now. They don't have a point guard. You think about Kawhi, Tony Parker, Kyle Lowry when he's won championships. They need a point guard who can create off the dribble, create for his teammates, a guy like Rondo for the Lakers even, if you don't get a, a, an MVP guy or a super all-star guy, a guy who can do, any, do it when it counts. They are considering Rondo. They should be, who, who can organize that offense and put Paul George especially in positions to succeed. Kawhi's the type of dude, for the most part, you can give him the ball and say, take us there. And he can go get his own shot, and he can hit his shot, and he can hit difficult shots, and even better yet, find easy shots, right? Paul George, in the playoffs, is going to need a Rondo type to get that done. So in terms of how Ty Lue handles right. that duo, I agree with you. That could be his approach. But if I were Ty Lue, I'd go to the front office and say, we need a point guard. I like Patrick Beverly. Right. He's not that kind of point guard. Again, um, I agree with them. I mean, Kawhi Leonard has to be the leader on this team. He can't be the quiet dude no more. I mean, you're the you're the star player of the Clippers. You're you're the face of the franchise. You need to be vocal. You need to talk. You need to lead the way. This quietness is not good. But I do want to play a clip of Kawhi Leonard's old coach, Greg Popovich of the Spurs. Um, he pretty much said that he wasn't a leader. Now, this is not me saying it. This is his coach, Greg Popovich from the Spurs, where Kawhi won his first championship in 2014. Um, but let's take a listen from Greg Popovich about Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi was a great player, but he, he wasn't a leader or anything. <laughs> so there you go. He wasn't a leader. He wasn't a leader. 
Tongue gum. That's what it is. I don't know, I mean, kind of agree with that. But we'll see what happens with him. We'll see what Quiet does, I don't know. I like Quiet, but he's too quiet, you know? He's just too quiet to be more vocal. But you guys heard it, he even said it that, um, that Quiet's not a leader. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it's not me making it up. You guys heard it for yourselves. So, I don't know. Uh, I did talk about, last week, about the possible Nets and Lakers matchup in the finals. Because the Nets will have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the East. So, I think they would be the favorite to come out of the East. Um, assuming everybody's healthy. And the West may be a little bit more challenging, but I have the Lakers... In the finals against the Nets next year. And now Stephen A. Smith and Max, and Max Kellerman kind of alluded to that. That they might meet in the finals. Kind of interesting that we think alike. But let's give it a listen. When you say wait, KD was like, let me show you what I could do with some all-stars and went to Golden State. He done had, been had all-stars. He had plenty of all-stars throughout his career and, and couldn't get it done. He went to a place where there was another MVP. If you have two MVP caliber players, not someone who once won the MVP awards, not operating on that level anymore. If, but, but both of you are MVP caliber year in and year out. That team, in the absence of another team like that, is going to win the championship Almost every year in NBA history, that's how it works. We're two MVP caliber players on the same team. It just happened this year with LeBron and AD. Okay, let's start there. He went to Golden State, already a 73-win team, already an MVP caliber player with Steph Curry. They added another MVP. It was a wrap after that. That doesn't prove a whole lot. We already know that Kevin Durant can really play. Here's the issue, Stephen A. You say... His game isn't predicated on athleticism as much as some other guys. He can shoot. He's smooth. Matter of fact, he can pass nowadays. All those things. He can average 25 in his sleep, and I agree with that. 
but that's already being a little bit slick with the language, Stephen A. Averaging 25 in his sleep and being able to do a lot of great things offensively still and still being an all-star, I see Kevin Durant being able to do that. Yes, that's not just KD. KD's not just an all-star who can average 25. KD is an all-time great because, then in the seven feet with a seven-six wingspan, because he can shoot defend he can now also pass he can drive he is an unstoppable kind of offensive player i i think the the odds say that he will be somewhat diminished from that coming back from an achilles still an all-star but not an mvp if you start to think of him instead of a kd level player as more more of a paul george level player i know it's a little controversial the way he just played in the playoffs but you know what i mean an all-star but not an mvp and now you think of the nets it's not the same thing. Kyrie with another good all-star, but not an MVP caliber player. That means that team has no players like that. So I, I, that's what I'm trying to say. It may be subtle, but, it, but you can anticipate some diminishing of KD's value as a player. If he, if he doesn't do that, if he winds up like Brianna Stewart, power to him. He will have upset the odds, as Tom Brady did defying the cliff. But those are the odds. He's yeah, but what are you saying? The odds. The is he odds going to upset the odds being 100% or not? of himself. Is he going to upset the odds no, or not? I don't think he will. Okay, I think he will. I don't think I he think will. I, I agree I with you he'll, he'll be an all-star. I think he has to. But I don't know that he'll be an MVP. And let me tell you something else, too. Not only do I think he will, I, not only do I think he will, I think it's going to be because he has to. Let's be very clear about something here. Kyrie Irving wouldn't be in Brooklyn if it were not for KD. Yeah. Brooklyn didn't want Kyrie. They didn't want Kyrie. They wanted KD. And they were willing to accept Kyrie because it was a package deal. They could slice it any damn way they want. I'm telling you what I know. It's a package deal. And we all know that Kyrie is box office and this dude is spectacular. But in terms of what they were building, it worked with KD. And it would not have necessarily worked if it was just Kyrie. That's not what Brooklyn wanted. So it was definitely a package deal. We all understand that. In the end, they've talked. They're both champions. But they ain't LeBron at this moment in time. LeBron will be waiting for them, and they have to answer the call. That's the story who, about who KD, the, not whether or not he's going to still look the same. Yeah, the one best last supporting thing. supporting cast, Max, or, or say what you want to say. I'm still wondering who actually has the better team here when we're talking about the Lakers or the well, Nets. I, Outside I, of the Nets superstars. Nets got the team. I'd right, say the Nets, the Nets, the Nets are the deeper in terms of all-star caliber players but the Lakers have two MVP-caliber players, and the Nets really have none if KD is diminished. I want to say one last thing about this, Stephen A. Uh, if you would have asked me before Ali fought George Foreman in, in the Rumble in the Jungle, who do I think he was going to do it? I'd have said no, I'm sure. Where I was one year old at the time. But the, he was a 5-1 to one underdog. The odds were against it because he'd been forced into exile for four years and was physically diminished. But because of that, and he pulled off the upset, he did the seemingly impossible, he's the greatest. Right? I've always thought, and I said, you remember, before they, he played on that bad Achilles, which they were calling a calf, and you were saying it's not going to affect his money anyway. I said, yeah, but it's going to affect the rest of his prime. He should not be playing. He chose to play. His Achilles ruptured. His prime may very well be affected going forward. But there is an opportunity there. Because if KD can come back from this and win a championship in Brooklyn, it will be his greatest accomplishment and he will elevate himself into the all-time great talk with, you know, with obviously Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the like. So he has a chance to have his greatest moment if he's not as good as he used to be, in fact. 
so that you haven't they kind of alluded well Stephen A. Smith alluded to a possible Nets Lakers finals matchup next year so we'll see about that it might happen it might not happen I don't know so we'll see Next season should be interesting. A lot of teams are going to come back stronger, much better. And we'll see where where that goes. So that was so that's it for today. That's a wrap. Hope you all enjoyed the show. And we'll be back with more episodes, more to talk about. As always, be cool, y'all.